I want to share with you today about uh, the, uh, my, the Holy Spirit, my senior partner. We're doing a second part of that uh, series. Just really felt like the Lord was, uh, was doing something here with this message. And so wanted to dig a little bit deeper today. So we're going to get into uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, it's in your notes. <clears throat> How many of you have ever had somebody uh, say, it's good for you? Do this, it's good for you. Usually it had something to do with what I was eating on my plate when I was younger. And my mom would say, it's good for you. And I'll say, I don't care. I didn't want that, whatever it was. You know, when I was growing up, if there was a slice of onion within a half a mile of that little nine-inch round plate, man, I was shut down. I was not going to have whatever that was. In, uh, you know, so, uh, but it's good for you. How many of you have heard that? Some of you, sometimes you can agree with it. Sometimes you can't agree with it. I don't, okay, you think so, but I don't believe it, you know. Um, you know, uh, the, the doctor says it's better to eat fruits and vegetables. You say it's better to drink Mountain Dew. I mean, I, I, I you know, I've gotten older and I'm a, little, I'm a little sharper than I used to be. But, you know, when, when they say it's good for you, you know. But here in this passage, Jesus says, it's good for you that I go away. Let's dig into that passage today because, uh, I, you know, you and I might, might be saying, man, it would have been awesome to be there during the time of Jesus, when we could have walked the, the streets of Jerusalem, when we could have been there uh, at, alongside the Sea of Galilee. But this is what Jesus says to his disciples and to us today. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Touch your neighbor and say to you. When he comes, uh, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Last week, we started talking about how we find it easier to have conversation about the Father and about the Son than we do about the Holy Spirit. We seem more comfortable, don't we? When just having a phraseology, those, those two names or, or those two uh, definitions work better for us. Holy Spirit just seems to be a little bit more difficult. But if I could talk to you for a minute about uh, just a number of the things that the Holy Spirit has done that you would realize you probably know him a little bit more than you already thought you did. And, and so when Jesus spoke, uh, you know, from the text in John 14 that I referenced last week, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with you and shall be in you. He was with the disciples because the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus. And so by proximity, he was with them. But he said, there's going to come a change. The Holy Spirit will be in you. 
And so uh, I want to talk to you about how important it is that the church get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. The, the world would know Jesus if we would know the Holy Spirit. The reason that the world doesn't know Jesus is because the church doesn't adequately know the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a stretch. No, it's not. Jesus said, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. So Jesus, in his teaching, said it's important for us as believers to know the person of the Holy Spirit. So why would it be good for Jesus to go away? Why is that important? In 2016, Jeremy and I were uh, on our motorcycles. We were in South Dakota. We were on two uh, over, uh, overloaded KLR 650s. It was about a 90 degree day in July. And so we were, uh, we were going up these uh, hills. We wanted to go see Mount Rushmore. And, uh, you know, go see all those dead presidents up there, uh, uh, cut, you know, in stone. And so the day we happened to go seemed to be a little bit, did you notice that? Did you just, thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. <clears throat> it's good to have gifts in the house, isn't it? And, uh, and so we, we were coming up this hill and we got there and probably about a mile away uh, from, from Mount Rushmore, the, the roads were just packed cars, you know, waiting to get into the Rushmore parking lot. And so we're just sitting there and, you know, these bikes overloaded. It's hot. The, the, the little fans uh, keeping the bikes cool were just straining to keep the, I could watch the temperature gauge go up, 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 up. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're burning the clutch a little at a time. And I was like, oh, great. Don't want to burn the clutches out before we even get out of the United States. We had still had 2,000 miles across Canada to go to Alaska. We, we just, so I called an audible, Jeremy. Let's turn around and, and let's go over to the Crazy Horse Monument. Let's go there. We won't do Rushmore today because it's the backup. So, so we turn around. We get back there. Had a great day at Mount Rush uh, at uh, uh, Crazy Horse Monument. If you ever get a chance to read the story or, or hear more about it, it's an amazing, amazing place. But all of that to say, imagine with me for a moment that if the Savior 2,000 years ago did not ascend to heaven, but stayed on earth. Maybe made his base of operations Jerusalem. So for the last 2,000 years, how many people would have made a pilgrimage to see the Son of God who was raised from the dead just to go see him, just to go meet him, just to go stand there and have a, a, a prayer with the actual Son of God? Yeah, you know, human beings are kind of prone to pilgrimages, aren't we? You know, we, we like to go and, and, and see something where something happened. It might be a historical site. Uh, we we want to go and see. We want to participate in that. And, and so imagine how crowded Israel would be if Jesus made his base of operations Jerusalem today. Can you imagine the airfare to get there? I suspect that only a select group of people would be able to make the journey because uh, the price of plane tickets would go way up and most of us wouldn't be able to afford. You know, so if Jesus made his base of operations, if he had stayed 
Just because Jesus could, uh, could not be everywhere at once, it would have made it a much more difficult for you and I to have been able to encounter him. So think about this. The, the benefits of uh, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Spirit is everywhere all the time. Jesus could only be in one place. But the Spirit is everywhere all the time. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to make a, a long flight uh, across the pond, uh, you know, connect over into England and fly into Israel in order to get a prayer answered. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, um, he is involved in this process of drawing us to Christ. He's everywhere all the time. Secondly, the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, not just a selected group of people. You know, in the Old Testament, there were prophets, priests, and kings who had the Holy Spirit upon them. Uh, the Holy Spirit guided about 44 different individuals to uh, write the scriptures. And so the Holy Spirit is actually the author. And, uh, and these uh, human authors were led by the Holy Holy Spirit, and, and so, uh, so the Holy Spirit was involved in their lives. It wasn't just a select group of people, though. Um, it was, it's, it's now, since the Holy Spirit's been poured out, he's available to all of us. Number three, the Spirit distributes the gifts, power, and authority of Jesus as he wills. You know, when you and I recognize that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that when you gave your heart to the Lord, that you gave every part of you to the Lord. That he needs to think through my mind and he needs to work through my hands and that God needs my feet to take his message to some other place. That the gifts that you and I have are actually a subpoena of the Holy Spirit calling you into service calling you into what it is that God's called you to do. He, when, when you give your life to him, it's a blank check. I don't know what we call it in this generation that doesn't use checks. I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're giving your, your life and you're saying, Lord, fill it in however you want to fill it in. And, and the, the, it's distributed as the Spirit wills. Number four, the Spirit confirms the word of God with signs and wonders. Here, here's something that's fascinating to me. Go with me with this idea for a second, will you? I don't know how it is that God says it's through the foolishness of preaching. Not foolish preachers, though there are those. But it's through the foolishness of preaching that God saves them that would believe. Think about that. How do you get to heaven? Go talk to that guy. He's going to tell you a message. You hang on to that message. You live it by faith. And then you'll go to heaven. How crazy is that? Who could come up with that? We make it really complicated. But let me, let me just talk to you for a second. How does it work? And, and maybe it happens somehow or another, maybe even in our prayer time a few minutes ago, that faith rose in your heart as we prayed. Like as we were praying, you could feel maybe the burden get off you. Maybe your thinking got clear. Maybe there was something that happened, something triggered. And, and how did that happen? It was because of the atmosphere, yes, but it's because of what you heard. I don't know how faith, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But let's just break that down for a second. Here I am speaking out loud. And those syllables are formed in my mouth and they carry through the airwaves and then they hit 
your ear. Touch your neighbor and say, you listening? Okay. They hit your ear. And down inside of your ear are the two smallest bones in your entire body. And they pick up sound waves on the inside of your ear. And they turn them into these electrical impulses that your brain then can descramble in your brain so that you can actually understand what's being spoken. God help you. You're listening to me. It probably, that's a miracle if you can understand what I'm saying. And and yet God takes that and as soon as the word is spoken on the inside of you, it drops down on the inside of you and you hear that's true. That's right. That's real. That's life. And faith rises up in your heart. Faith comes by hearing. I don't know how God does that. That's a miracle of the Lord. But the same one who said light be and light was can create things with a spoken word on the inside of a human being. It's amazing to me. And the Holy Spirit takes that spoken word. And when that word is spoken and Jesus is exalted to his rightful place. And I'm not just talking about Jesus as Savior. Saying, hang on, honey. Someday Jesus is going to do a miracle. But more than that, the gospel of the kingdom, which is what Jesus spoke. That said, God is the healer today. God is the deliverer today. God is the savior today. God is the one who wants to break through in your life today. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the earnest. He's the down payment. Any, anybody ever buy something on a down payment? You put a down payment on and then you, and then you and, and sometimes, you know, you, you, you put a down payment on and you, you know, you get a, you get a, a, a title deed in your hand. It's just a down payment. Yeah, the bank's helping you pay for it, but you got a down payment on it. And as long as you got that down payment, you got the title, you know, the thing is yours. Well, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of heaven. The fact that the kingdom of God has been made real in your heart tells you that heaven does exist and that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you confirming that not only heaven exists, but God wants to bring heaven to earth through the word of God and through your faith. This is what God does. Faith comes by hearing. And so the, so the Holy Spirit confirms the word with signs and wonders following. And so let's talk about some other work of the Holy Spirit as we uh, travel along on this together today. You know, uh, number one, this is what Jesus says uh, happens. Uh, first of all, his primary role is to work in the hearts of men to convince them in three ways. In regard to sin, the Holy Spirit takes the preaching of the word and causes people to be convinced of the authority of its truth and their need for God. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, uh, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. As long as Jesus was on the planet, he could speak for himself. He would stand up and when he spoke, even the Pharisees, even the scribes that had been around a lot longer and they knew the traditions of men a lot longer, uh, that, uh, that they would say, this guy speaks with authority. He doesn't speak like another scribe. He doesn't speak like another Pharisee. He's got authority. Why? He's got absolute authority. Why? Because he's the king. This isn't just another opinion. You ever get in a crowd where everybody's just like, uh, well, my, I see it this way, I see it this way, I see it this way. And, you know, you got, you got five people 
And so you have six opinions. But the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Right? And, and so when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, he's going to convict the world in regards to sin because I'm going to my Father. But the work of conviction still needs to be done. The work of helping people to understand that there is an absolute truth, that there is an absolute God, that there is a God who says light be and light is. There is a God who says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is a God who is still still laying it out for us and saying, this is sin and this is righteousness. This is innocence and this is wickedness. That we've got to be people that, uh, that recognize it's the work of the Holy Spirit to do those things. He convinces the world in regard to sin. Secondly, he convinces the world in regards to righteousness. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to walk as Jesus walked because Jesus went to the Father. How many of you are really, really good with owner's manuals, without pictures. <laughs> like, put together some Ikea furniture without a picture. Shoot me now. <laughs> put me out of my misery, right? You know, uh, we, we do better. It's, it's interesting. Um, uh, I, was, I was reading a book a while back uh, that was just describing how the, the human brain works. And we notice colors uh, uh, shapes first, color second, um, words last. Did you know that? So shapes first, picture a stop sign. Got it? You know what, size, what the shape is? Yeah. The, we notice shapes first, color second, words last. And so when, when you and I, uh, when, when, whenever we want to learn something, on-the-job training is usually done best by having a 4D image. Show me how to do that. Put some tools in my hand. Show me how to work those tools. Hey, you know, let, me, let me show you. Uh, apprentice me to your side so that I can walk this out. And so what Jesus says is, though that the Holy Spirit, our senior partner, is even better than him. How many of you uh, used to have a, a bracelet? Maybe you still do. WWJD. What would Jesus do, right? Um, written, uh, you know, In His Steps. Charles Shelton, a number of years ago, uh, wrote the book In His Steps. You know, we've got to walk as Jesus walked. And yet there were so many things that, that didn't apply in the life of Jesus. Like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't walk around with sandals and a robe on. What would Jesus wear? Sandals and a robe. Doesn't work for me. Jesus didn't have a, a, a human bride, he, he, he gave his life for the church, but he, I, I can't look at Jesus and, and, and find the most accurate picture of how a man ought to treat a woman, but I got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit on the inside of me shows me what righteousness looks like talks to me about what righteousness looks like, shows me the image of what God had in mind of Ken Kramer actually living out who Ken Kramer ought to be. Not the Ken Kramer that was yesterday's version, but the Ken Kramer's today who is aligning himself with the Ken Kramer that I'm supposed to be in walking with the Lord. So when Holy Spirit convicts us in regards to righteousness, he's not comparing you with anybody else in your family. He's not comparing you, guys, he's not comparing you with your dad 
granddaughter, your grandfather, your uncle. You know, ladies, he's not comparing you to your sister or your cousin or your auntie or anybody else like that. He doesn't do that. Righteousness has to do with who am I in living in alignment with that person that God says I am from Psalm 139. All the days uh, ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. He doesn't compare me with anybody else. He only compares me with the image that he has in his heart from before I was ever born. In other words, he's not looking at what I did yesterday because he's got it, the blueprint already in his book. He's not looking about my, my, uh, my credibility at this moment. He's saying who I can be, and he sees that finished work. He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. God doesn't quit on you halfway. You don't quit on him. You don't quit on him because he will not quit. He will keep working, and that's why you and I need the Holy Spirit as our senior partner, because he's going to show us what righteousness looks like in this day, in this age, in this hour, in my life, with my thumbprint, with my stupidity factored in. Woo! That's where you say, hallelujah, <laughs> thank God. He's already outdistanced. That's the sovereignty of God. He's already outdistanced my stupidity. He's already outdistanced my faithlessness, my failings, my trip-ups, my immaturity. Sometime when I have time, I'll tell you the story about how I got born again when I was 17 and got invited to a, a, a Baptist uh, pool party and wore my Speedos. <laughs> but I don't have time. <laughs> it was very brief. Oh, sorry. You didn't need that image, did you? You know, in church, they, had, they, they didn't say it too much, I don't think. And, you know, it was in legalistic circles. It was the holiness circles. You didn't do mixed bathing. I'm like, I don't want to bathe. I want to swim. Right. Mixed bathing? What is that? <laughs> Yuck. The last part, the Holy Spirit comes in regard to judgment. The Holy Spirit shows us the authority of the kingdom over the power of the devil. I think it's, it's interesting. I was talking with a brother in between services today, and, and it occurs to me that I, I, think I, have a, I, I think I have insight that a lot of people who have never left the West um, and, and ministered in a spiritual context other than the United States. We, we are familiar with the, it's, it's the devil we know. The devil we know in America is different than the devil they know in India or the devil they know, you know, in Cambodia or the devil. When, when I go to another country, I can, I can very easily pick up on the oppression. I can pick up on the stuff that's going on uh, there. And you walk into it. And, and in the United States, we're just so enlightened. We're so educated. In the United States, the devil is very covert, you know, as long as you got science, you will never believe in the devil. But you go to a country like India, the devil is very overt. You go to a country like Uganda, very overt. Things, things that the enemy does, you go in there and it will smack you in the face. You'll be like, 
oh my goodness, I can't believe people put up with this. And you, and you walk into that scene, and you're like, man, that's just, that's just wrong. It just shouldn't happen this way. But, but te- temptations under prosperity are different than temptations under poverty. And so you and I experience, you know, different things. And so when we go to another country, we, we say, oh, my goodness, what's going on? So let me tell you a quick story, not close. How many of you believe that? So in 1995, um, I had gone with a, a, a small team for about three weeks, and we were kind of on this around-the-world uh, tour. And uh, we had uh, gone, and we'd, we had a crusade. We had about 20,000 people there, saw some amazing miracles. One, the Sunday that was leading up to the crusade, though, we got passed off, all the, uh, every individual got passed off to go tell a testimony, or in my case, preach to a different church. And so I was in one of these little jeepneys, one of these little taxis, you know, motorcycle, you know, talk about make you pray. That little thing going in India, going, whoo, 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 you just don't even know. And uh, so I got to church, met the pastor like two minutes before I was supposed to preach. He's going to translate for me. Everybody there, nobody there speaks, uh, you know, speaks English. I'm the only English speaker. I'm the only Caucasian in the place. And uh, so I I preach, and I don't even remember what I preached on, but I preach, and I get done preaching, and I, I do the altar call. And so a few people got born again, and, and then this woman comes down with her uh, husband and her little child, and, and so she's standing there, and, and uh, the pastor says to me, um, he's translating for her, he says, you know, she, he said, I can speak for her, she got born again about, thir- about three months ago, she's never yet been water baptized, but I know that she's born again, and uh, he says she has this recurring dream every night, the, the devil comes to her and says, unless you stop going to that church, I will kill you. I said, really? She says, yeah, every night, every night, the last 90 days, she has had this recurring dream. And, uh, and I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't know, 20, I'm 1995, I don't know, 20, 24, 25 years old, something like that, you know. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty green. You know, and I'm I don't know what to do. Holy Spirit, you know what to do. And so, okay, we're just going to pray for, we're going to deal with that. You know, you got to act like you got confidence, even if you don't. <laughs> Square. All right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for her. Tell her I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to pray that, that, get that devil off her. And I start to pray and she start, her face starts contorting a little bit. Something going on here. I look at the pastor, his eyes are getting a little bigger. I said, devil, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She speaks perfect English. And she says, I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. You can't make me. I'm not coming out. I said, I can't make you, but Jesus can. And I just, you know, it freaked me out. Then the pastor's eyes were like that big. And I prayed for her. And this woman was completely delivered. Completely delivered right there. Here's, here's my point in telling you the story. It was very overt activity of the devil. But you and I encounter the activity of the devil on a daily basis. And we put up with it. Because we, it's kind of the frog in the kettle thing, you know? We're just used to the atmosphere around us. We're, we're used to the devil picking our pocket here, picking our pocket there, picking our pocket here. And we, we allow him to trespass on God's property. And, and here's the reality. Jesus is saying, Holy Spirit will convict the world 
and me in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts us of our own sin, but he condemns the work of the devil. Are you with me? Yeah, when, we, when we correct our kids, a lot of times we would, we would teach them about the difference between conviction, right, and condemnation. Conviction always corrects for their good. Always said, this isn't who you are. This is who you are. This is, you, I, I, I know this about you. You're my child. I know this about you. And this is what the word says, who the word says you. And we, and we never use words like always or never. Because always or never are kind of like, uh, a sentence of condemnation. You know, condemnation is what the devil does. And he'll say, you'll never amount to, or let me remind you the last time you didn't do it right. And so, the, so with, with Jesus, we always get a, a, a mercies are new every morning. With Jesus, we always get hope because today's a new day. Yesterday ended last night. Today's a new day. Now we're moving forward. And, and so what Jesus wants us to understand is that the works of darkness have already been condemned 2,000 years ago. If the devil is trespassing on your property, don't let him. Don't let him. If he's trespassing in your family, don't let him. Well, I don't know what to do. Ask your senior partner. Because your senior partner will help you know what you need to do. And you may need to do something radical. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about radical. I'm talking about you don't care what it looks like. You don't care who's watching. You don't care what people think about you at that moment. You just have to do something radical. Let me tell you, if somebody walked in this place and grabbed one of our kids and started running out the door, you wouldn't like gracefully just, oh, put them down. You would, you would tear up, you would push over whoever you had to push over. You would go after them. You would get a hold of that person. You would gr grab that child back. What do you need to do when the devil's doing that with your kids' minds? What do you need to do? Well, I know how I'd start. I would find myself a bottle of an, uh, olive oil. It's good. Motor oil if you don't have anything else. <laughs> and I would dump it right there. And I'd go through and I would pray over, every day, over the perimeter of my house. I would pray. I would plead the blood of Jesus. I would tell the devil where he can get off. Tell him he's not, he's not welcome anywhere around my house. He has no place there. He used to live there. He don't live there anymore. Get out of here. You're not going to stick around. The battlefield is the mind. And the enemy wants the minds of our kids. We need to pray. You know, those of us, like we said earlier, you know, God has been working in many of our lives for many, many years. And so you have a testimony that's been developed. But if your kids don't have their own testimony yet, if their kids don't have, they don't have anything to go back to. They don't have any, they haven't had an opportunity to, to try the, the, the promises of God. So you got to pray the promises of God over them. And you got to say, hey, honey, this is your promise. You know, you don't understand it, but I understand it. And I'm going to tell you how to stand up to the devil. This is your promise. This promise is for you. And, and you begin to sow that seed into them so that they develop their testimony around it.
Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to get them involved in something they ought not to be. And he registers what the, what the Bible calls youthful lusts early on. If I went around the room today and it was just you and me, um, we could have a conversation and you would tell me about the time that the devil put a weed seed in your heart. And he wanted that weed seed to grow up with you and affect your identity. For many young men, it was porn. For, for many of us, it was uh, something we believed maybe about a, an authority figure. Maybe it was abuse. And it registered early on. When Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lust, he's talking about not just sexual lust, but he's talking about control points. Earthly desires that, that are unrighteous, that drag us over. And so, so we get extreme in some area that we ought not to be extreme in. And so what God wants to do in our lives as parents is he wants us to cover our kids and for them to get their own testimony. So intercessors, here's a great opportunity. White noise is coming up. We got 75 kids signed up so far. We're looking for 100. We need people to pray that every one of these kids has an encounter with Jesus. I would not want to grow up in this season of our world. But since we are here, we cover our kids in prayer. We make sure they have a testimony. We make sure they have a God encounter. They need to know God's address more than they need to know that Earl of that favorite website. Amen. They, they need to be able to connect with him and say, you know what? I, I know what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. Right? Let's stand this morning in his presence. This morning, let me just ask you a couple questions as we close. Where is the Holy Spirit wanting to form Jesus in you? How is he convincing you that Jesus' way is better than your own way? Maybe it's your pride. Maybe there's an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is reworking. You know, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I, I often think about as it relates to our, our homes. You know, I look around my house and it seems like, man, we've only been there about nine years. Why is this place falling apart? There's always more work to do on a house, right? But the Bible says outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're renewed day by day. How is the Holy Spirit renewing you on the inside? What is he showing you about the person of Jesus? How is he convicting you of righteousness? How is he showing you how to be the best version of you that you can be? And then what's he showing you about areas that the enemy has been trespassing that God wants you to push him back? Push him back. You've got a field to clear out. You've got a field of endeavor that God's going to talk to you about someday. He's not going to just talk to you about how well you kept your heart. What would you build on my behalf? What did you build? What did you grow? What did you clear out? What did you make sure that as long as, as long as you were in that place, there was a testimony of godliness? As long as you were in that place, you made sure that no gossip and no slander was going to go on. You kept that area for the glory of God. Father, I'm so thankful for your presence. Holy Spirit, I don't know how people do it without you. You have been my friend for all of these years.
You were my friend even before I knew Jesus. You're the one that brought me to him. I didn't know your name. But you took little things that I heard about Jesus and convinced me that they were true. Convinced me that he was the only way. Convinced me that he alone had the words of life. Convinced me that he was worth giving everything up for, even at 17 years old. I believed it then and I still believe it today. Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Holy Spirit is here today to let you know you can trust God. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your body. You can trust Him with your finances. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. He is faithful and true. And you've never said yes to Jesus, but today's your day. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up high this morning, even online. Let it be an act of faith. Raise your hand up to the Lord and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. All of us holding fast to that, that word of faith. Now, Father, I just pray over my brothers and sisters, Lord, that today would be the day. Even though the Holy Spirit has been resident, Today's the day we make him president. Today's the day we submit ourselves to him. Today's the day we give him control of our mouth. Today's the day we give him control of our emotions. Today's the day we give him control of our minds. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with your anointing today. Strengthen every life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.